Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast, hosted by Georgia Organics. I'm Mary Elizabeth Kidd, Communications Manager at Georgia Organics. We've got a great show in store for you today. We're going to be talking a lot about the concept of staying local and what that looks like in Atlanta and beyond. This is a time of year at Georgia Organics where we're winding down and taking time to assess what a hectic year it's been, the effects of the pandemic, and the state of small farmers in Georgia. This week, we're going to be launching our year-end campaign, Stay Local. And through this campaign, we're hoping for two things. First, of course, we're hoping for charitable donations to end out the year and to help us continue our work supporting local and organic farmers and feeding communities across our state. You can learn more about that at georgiaorganics.org donate. The second and critical point of our Stay Local campaign is for shoppers to really continue trying to buy directly from farmers where possible. We have our resources like the Good Food Guide at gfg.georgiaorganics.org. And we hope that through this and other means of connection, whether it be farmers markets or CSA subscriptions, you really continue to invest in the small farmers who are making Georgia a healthier, more sustainable, and environmentally safe place to be. First up, Today on our episode, we'll be talking to Rebecca Williams with Rodale Institute's Southeast Organic Center at Manyfold Farms. This is a really exciting center that's going to be opening up very soon in the Chattahoochee Hills area of Georgia. And Rebecca and I sat down to talk about the origins of the Rodale Institute and how their work at this new Southeast Center is really going to serve farmers in our region through the research and resources that they'll provide. They also really hope to have a profound impact on the policy in agriculture around the Southeast. After that, we're doing gardening with farmers, and we've got the one and only chef farmer, Matthew Rayford of Gilliard Farms, with his top November tips for fruit and vegetable gardeners. Finally, we're catching up with Zach Harrison, founder of Fresh Harvest. Fresh Harvest has represented a unique model as an online farmer's market that also delivers directly to the doors of Atlantans. We're talking about some of his learnings as a, as a business owner and, on, and an entrepreneur with Fresh Harvest, which is now in over 10 years of operations. So we hope you enjoy. We hope it encourages you to stay local. Stay tuned. Enjoy the show. First up, we're talking to Rebecca Williams of Manyfold Farm in Chattahoochee Hills, Georgia. We caught up about how Manyfold is transitioning to become the Rodale Institute's Southeast Organic Center and the important work that they have ahead. All right. I'm really excited to be here with um, someone who's very near and dear to the Georgia Organics family, Rebecca Williams, um, and she is with Rodale Southeast Center uh, and Manyfold Farms. So, Rebecca, intro yourself. Tell us a little bit about, about what you're working on right now and sort of your official or unofficial title. <laughs> I don't really have like a title, um, <laughs> like helper in chief. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, uh, so we are starting this program here. Uh, it started just really this year with um, uh, getting, getting it off the ground. Um, but the idea is with the with the Southeast Organic Center is to be able to bring to Georgia specifically, but also the the whole region of the South, uh, the the resources uh, that Rodale is able to provide 
at a more specific level. Um, you know, the, the, the idea is that um, a lot of the research that Rodale has done over the years around organics, around regenerative has been very specific to Pennsylvania's climate, Pennsylvania's soil. And so it's really exciting to bring uh, their research team and develop our own research team here in Georgia uh, to help tackle some of the site-specific questions around around what you know farmers struggle with in this region. Yeah. So that's kind of it. In a nutshell, yeah. Well, for those who might not be familiar, um, I feel like for many of our farmers listening, they will be, but for anyone who's not familiar, give us a, an overview of Rodale, um, mm -hmm. their, kind of their history. So Rodale is really, um, the 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 OG of organics, um, they invented the term. Uh, they've really been the key player of the 20th and now the 21st century uh, in uh, understanding the value of soil-based agriculture um, and understanding the link between healthy soil and human health. Um, their sort of tagline is healthy soil equals healthy people. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and they've been doing real uh, university level uh, research uh, to back those claims up mm -hmm. um, over the past 70 plus years. Yeah. Um, and so that's been a, a, a huge part of what they're about. Mm -hmm. um, and we're really excited that we get to help broaden their research on our farm. Yeah, absolutely. And so important too. It's it's amazing when I when we were just starting to talk, I was looking up, I wasn't familiar with the the very origin, like the very kind of starting date and time frame, but it was saying that that, that Rodale was established in 1947, which is just incredible to think about that timing and sort of the history of agriculture and how it was evolving and how quickly J.I. Rodale must have, you know, kind of realized, as you were saying earlier, this is this can't be good for us. This can't be, this can't be good for us, exactly. Well, in, in 1947, that was really when, um, you know, the industrial, it was the beginning of the industrialization of agriculture, right, um, right around, you know, World War One, World War II, um, you know, we, we realized that you could, you can take nitrogen out of the atmosphere mm -hmm. and turn it into a synthetic fertilizer for the soil. Um, and uh, in, in, in a similar process that uh, uh, a lot of the um, uh, poisons in the Nazi death camps were used, wow. as a matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, and he saw that link and was alarmed by it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and realized that if you're putting poison in the soil, what is that doing to human bodies? Right. Um, he saw that link very, very quickly and very quickly you know, put his mind and his resources to task at... Uh, helping to understand exactly how all that happens um, mm -hmm. and and what what other ways of growing food uh, in the future might look like that would be an alternative to what, the direction that he was seeing it going at that time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Is the people that ask the questions and then the scientists that back it up. Um, well, I mean, that's the whole, like scientists, any, any good scientist will tell you they're just intensely curious people, yeah. right? They just want to understand what's happening um, and, and be able to make claims that are based in facts. Um, and it's really powerful and really important, particularly from a policy perspective. You know, Rodale was instrumental, their research, their field systems trial, mm -hmm. um, which is a, a, a multi-year uh, longitudinal study of, uh, 
organic practices that they did in Pennsylvania was key mm. to uh, getting the uh, USDA to adopt the certified organic label uh, yeah. because it actually showed that there was a difference mm-hmm. in the product. Um, and so that's, you know, that's incredibly powerful um, from a policy perspective. And I think if we're going to see real long-term change in how we grow our food and how we allow farmers to thrive growing our food, um, it's going to take, it's going to take research and it's going to take policy change mm-hmm. to make that happen. Yeah. Um, and Rodale has a hugely positive track record on that score. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about a couple things specifically. I want to talk about the background of the land that's being used, um, mm-hmm. manifold farms. And then I want to talk about what, what's going to be happening um, at, you know, as this chapter opens for Rodale Southeast. Mm-hmm. So uh, the history of our farm, um, my husband and I uh, bought this property back in 2007. And you're um, located... We're in Chattahoochee Hills, yeah, yeah. which is, um, it's in the very southernmost tip of Fulton County. Yeah. Um, so technically like, technically the same county that, that Atlanta is in, which is crazy oh, because yeah. it's nothing, it's like, it's not Atlanta out here. Well, <laughs> I'm, up here I'm up here by, I call it a horse country. I'm up here by like the Milton Roswell area, which yeah, is- Yeah, so we're as far apart from each other like, in the same county as possible, right? <laughs> Um, I can literally throw a stone out my door and hit Coweta County. Oh, I um, so we're, 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 we're centrally located. I feel like we're in a good place, um, in terms of that urban rural divide. Um, we're like kind of on that threshold, um, which is really a nice place to be. I feel like you can get the best, best of both worlds. Absolutely. Um, and so our farm, we started out, uh, as a sheep dairy, um, and we made, uh, farmstead cheeses uh, here um, for uh, like six, seven years yeah. total um, and did really well with that, had a really great time doing it, um, got work to the bone, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, like never was able to take a vacation, never able to, you know, kind of make ends meet, um, really, really got a taste of how hard it is to get food out of the ground Um, you know there's a lot of there's a lot of farm models out there uh, for dairying that involve lots of external inputs Mm -hmm. and we didn't want to do that we were always about using the cheese that we were making to tell the story of the soil and to link the microbiology of the soil to the microbiology of the cheeses that we were making with the microbiology of the animals that we were living with as like this catalyst for it all. Um, and, and so it was a really beautiful story. Um, and, you know, it didn't end up, you know, working out for us because it was it, the risk reward uh, economically was, was untenable after a certain point. Yeah. Um, and so we started to look for other ways that we could, you know, we could tell that story. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, this kind of fell in our laps a couple of years after we stopped making the cheese. Yeah. Um, and it occurred to me, like having worked, you know, so very hard farming and trying to make, make ends meet with it, um, that, that this project could offer farmers a path that would help them yeah. thrive, that would help them build their businesses better, that would help them solve problems. Because Ross and I, my husband, we, we often felt so alone 
Mm. And like, we were reinventing the wheel by ourselves constantly. And I know that we were not alone as farmers doing that. Right. Um, And so, you know, the idea of having a place to go when you feel that way and who will take your problems seriously, who will listen, who will put it on the list of things to tackle and try to find solutions that work for the way you want to farm. Right. Right. In a soil based way. um is is really really exciting to us and we're thrilled that we've been able to transition our farm um to that to that work yeah that's so incredible and and important too that you kind of turned your struggle into something that would kind of open the doors and become this huge resource not just for other georgia farmers but the southeast as the title says so I think that's amazing. I know that's something, you know, what you're speaking to, that's something that in my time at Georgia Organics, I noticed, and particularly I, I kind of started the, we started the year out and I started my rollout at Georgia Organics with conference. Mm-hmm. And you could just tell that there was this, like, I don't know, I, I, would, I don't want to say a sense of relief, but just like, it was so incredible to watch how much farmers took from just being able to see and interact with each other in the same room and, and, you know, solve problems together, build partnerships together. So this kind of seems very much in line with that realization that, that we desperately need in in Georgia and the Southeast, you know, venues, so to speak, that bring farmers together and, and share knowledge. So. Absolutely. That's definitely the one, you know, that's definitely part of, part of this whole thing. And I know what you're talking about that vibe at the Georgia Organics Conference, or, you know, um, Carolina Farm Stewardship mm. conferences, like, uh, you know, Southern SOG, which unfortunately is no more, I hear, mm. which is very sad. Yeah. Um, but those, those events were always um, really therapeutic yeah. <laughs> for us. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. I mean, I could yeah. just, not a farmer, but could certainly read, you know, and have long understood the, the toil, right? The struggle of, of um, everyday life as a as a business owner, farmer. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. well, let's talk a little bit about um, the types of research and some of the work that's gonna be done um, with the with the center. Sure, so um, we, I mean, right now uh, we're working, um, we just got a grant uh, to partner with Clemson University mm-hmm. uh, on, a, on our first uh, official research trial. Um, which is really exciting. So it's nice to have a, a, a regional partner already out, out of the gate. Yeah. Um, yeah. To start, to start looking at um, some side-by-side field trials um, of different crops. Um, and we're there, there, uh, as I understand it, um, we're doing research, the, we're doing these research plots on our farm mm-hmm. and they're doing research plots on their farm in South Carolina. And so it's going to be this really cool comparison. Um, and they'll be able to get some good, good data out of that. Um, and, and really, you know, it's a lot of the research is going to be about economic models. Um, I've been pushing that hard, um, with them and, and other farmers that we've spoken to and asked about, you know, what's really important. Um, I think, uh, distribution, Yep. You know, we keep talking about we really want to fundraise at some point to be able to have a full-time economist on staff yeah, um, and someone who can really help develop uh, ideas around that and models around that that we can, that we can field test. 
um, we're really interested in, you know, of Rodale has not done a lot of research around integration with livestock. Mm -hmm. um, and because our farm is already set up for livestock, um, they're mm -hmm. very, very keen to uh, potentially develop some studies around uh, rotations uh -huh. um, in soil building uh, using livestock as part of the rotation. Wow. Um, so that's, that's part of it. And we're also, we're all ears. We want to know yeah. what is what is plaguing farmers out there, um, organic and regenerative farmers. What is the, the thing? And one of the things that we've already asked about and heard a lot about is um, pest management, mm -hmm. right? We have these really long growing seasons and we're blessed to have these really long growing seasons, but with that heat comes bugs. Yeah. Uh, and so developing some, some new strategies uh, to help farmers deal with that uh, I think is, is really going to be um, a key focus for us yeah. uh, at some point, you know, as we're able to find funding <laughs> to make all that happen. But yeah, that's, that's, and that's the tip of the iceberg. It really is. Um, the sky is the limit. And we want to hear from farming communities uh, about what, what do we put on the list? What do we try to go find funding to go research? Right. 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 Very cool. Well, you know, I'm sure some of those outputs are going to be a lot, like you say, a lot of research, a lot of findings, um, you know, that can apply again to farmers in the Southeast. And talk to you a little bit more about some of these, you know, university level partnerships, because I know when we were speaking earlier, you were saying that partnership is going to be key in this too, mm -hmm. um, especially in that we're dealing with the Southeast, which is so heavily agricultural. Um, so yeah, talk a bit about that in, in Georgia and beyond. I know you've got Clemson on board soon. What about, what about the dogs? How about the dogs? Um, well, I actually, I wanted to mention too, I forgot um, yeah. that we are uh, working directly right now with Emory University. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, to start uh, providing uh, a, a pipeline mm -hmm. for uh, bringing vegetables to the university um, and developing some models around how that's going to work. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, and, but as far as research goes, we're really, you know, we, when I was first introduced to the project as an idea, it was pitched to me as organic regenerative extension. Yeah. Right. And I know that the, Say that uh, one more time, cause I feel like that was good. Organic regenerative extension. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I know when I used to call extension uh -huh. UGA, you know, about problems with my pasture management mm -hmm. and I wanted to do things in an organic way, in a soil-based way, you know, there wasn't a lot of help, not because, not from lack of will, but just because there wasn't, they yeah. didn't have the information. Right. Um, and, and to be frank, you know, universities are not particularly incentivized to help organic regenerative farmers. Yeah. Um, but we're hoping to change that. Yeah. Um, and what we're hoping for is like with UGA as an example, Auburn as another example, Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, Fort Valley State uh, mm -hmm. as, as another, we've all been in conversation with all of those universities already yeah. um, to, to be a resource yeah. where they can, if farmers call them and say, hey, I've got this problem, whether they're an organic farmer or not, you know, that they're familiar enough with us. Yeah. They're familiar with the research that we're doing and what we have access to that they can say, there's a really interesting solution to that problem. Mm, yeah. Or, you know, or, you know, we don't have an answer 
Uh, but these folks at the Southeast Regional Resource Center, I just read a paper the other day that they, you know, that I'm on, that I got an email about this paper that they just published about the problem that you're having. Yeah. yeah. Um, or reach out to them and see if they have a creative solution or if they want to potentially uh, do, a, do a research study on yeah. the problem that you're having. Yeah. So that kind of stuff, um, as well as doing co-research, like I said, with the, mm -hmm. the, the current project with Clemson, right? Yeah. Doing side-by-side -side studies in different places, um, but using the same method methodologies to make really robust um, data sets yeah. can be really compelling. Um, this is a huge part of it. So yeah. the, sky's, the sky's the limit on that too. Um, but we're, we're psyched to be a part of university projects um, and to be partnered with them because um, they're, they're, they're so important. Yeah. Well, talk a little bit about um, the team. Like who, who, who all are you going to have there and, and some of the respective, um, you know, specialty areas or whatnot? Sure. So uh, right now, uh, Christy, uh, Dr. Christy Wendelbacher, she is our, uh, our um, lead uh, researcher mm -hmm. um, and she leads the project. Um, and she comes to us from Miami where she has been working uh, on um, a lot of really interesting uh, stuff around the Everglades and around mm -hmm. water systems management in South Florida. Um, and so she's a really interesting researcher um, around, uh, environmental impact studies and that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she's, she's super smart and, and really personable and lovely. And we're so thrilled to have her here. Mm. Um, and so she's, she's really the point person right now. So if you call the research center, uh -huh. she's, she's going to pick up the phone. Yeah. Um, so you go straight to the top <laughs> when you yeah. call right now. Um, Everyone listening, be sure to give her a call and say, say what's up. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and then we also have um, Garver Akers, who is our, uh, our farm manager. Um, and so he, his job is actually the implementation, implementation and management of the, of the field research. Cool. Yeah. So he's the guy that's out there, uh, you know, uh, putting the, putting seeds in the ground, yeah. building fences, doing all of that stuff. Um, and he is also a super talented, super smart, well-versed farmer. Um, he came out of the Santa Cruz organic agricultural program. Yeah. Um, and so he's, he's really going to be someone who has a lot to teach as well. Um, so hopefully when, when folks come to the farm, um, once it's safe for folks to come to the farm, um, he'll be the one really able to show people what, what they're seeing and what we're looking at when we're, when we're planting things and what we're looking at in these various studies and, and, and being able to point out the relevant information um, that you can see with your own eyes. Um, and, and he also, he's a wealth of information. He has so many wonderful suggestions for folks already and ideas um, for folks who have already reached out to us. So he's super cool. We also have an internship program. So folks who are interested, um, we have a budding internship program. We have one intern right now, but we hope to have up to four. Um, and, uh, and that's just a, like a standard farm internship, except you're doing it for a research institution rather than for a farm business, which is kind of a cool spin on things. Um, and then, and then we hope, hope, hope to have our next hire, hopefully maybe by the end of this year, beginning of next year. Mm -hmm. And that will essentially be a, um, an extension agent, a person oh. who will go out and visit with farmers and meet with them and hear their concerns. Um, and offer help 
um, and really uh, bring Rodale to the farmers rather than the other way around. Yeah, that's great. So we're hoping to have that off the ground early 2021. Knock on wood. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a great team. Um, very exciting to see see them get get going. Um, one thing that I want to hit on is I know you were mentioning you know there's sort of this aspirational goal to have an an economist type or or just mm-hmm. recognizing the need for that level of expertise within the conversation around you know specifically organic farming and small farms. Speak a little bit more to that and what y'all hope, you know, you can, you can start. I know there's going to be plenty, a plethora of, of, you know, very scientific and soil-based and, and direct farming, ex, you know, uh, studies being mm-hmm. happening, but speak to some of that, that economic piece that you recognize, especially in the Southeast, um, you know, given our, our long and troubled history and, in, in treating farmers well, worker rights, things like that. So that's a big topic, but, but what's a big topic, very big, but what would you kind of hope that some of the work at the Southeast center could, could contribute to that? Well, I think that, you know, the fundamental theory is that, you know, J.I. Rodale said, right, healthy soils equals healthy people. Mm -hmm. And I would also add to that, that the way you treat your soil Mm -hmm. is a direct reflection of how you treat people. Yeah. Um, and the South has a long history of treating people exceptionally badly mm-hmm. and treating soil exceptionally badly. Yeah. Um, and I would love to find ways um, to make reparations for that yeah. um, as a part of our work. Yeah. And uh, I would love to rebuild soils and I would also love to rebuild the communities that depend on those soils. Yeah, yeah. And that means understanding where the money comes from and where it goes and making sure that farmers are able to get a fair price Mm -hmm. for their food. They're able to grow enough and to get to a point where they're scalable enough to earn a decent living, right? To be able to pay for health insurance, to be able to um, take a vacation more than like a day or two of the year, to be able to spend time with their families, Uh, to be able to live like a normal person. And so um, that will require a huge amount of research. It's an understudied aspect of agriculture. Absolutely. Um, And we would love to be able to, at some point in the near future, have a full-time agricultural economist Mm -hmm. as a part of our staff doing some of that work um, and and creating some interesting models that we could... That was my daughter, <laughs> the land of Zoom. Um, if she'd like to join, uh, she's welcome. <laughs> uh, she's got to go to bed. <laughs> um, but yeah, be, being able to come up with some creative tools um, and new ways of thinking and new ways of approaching yeah. how we get there. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm all ears for that. Uh, I want, I want those studies to happen. We, Rodale wants those studies to happen. Yeah. Um, so we are, that is a piece of the pie right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I would hope too, that something that Rodale would provide um, in the Southeast is a platform for, there are some, some incredible leaders in the Southeast that are having these conversations, you know, specifically within the conversation around racial equity and farming. And, you know, I, there's several, um, 
obviously Leah, Leah Peniman's the first one to come to mind, but but we've got, you know, Matthew Rayford is incredibly knowledgeable, knowledgeable about these things and these topics of, you know, uh, sustainable farming as racial equity and uh -huh. reestablish, you know, and, and the word reparations and defining what uh -huh. does reparations look like in our agricultural community, um, uh -huh. specifically this, this kind of corner that, you know, this, this niche that we're in with, well, I don't want to say niche, but, but within the, the sustainable and organic farming community. Um, and there is a lot that needs to be, you know, sort of teased out and, and talked uh -huh. about there, but yeah, there are also some incredible voices, um, black voices and people of color who are, who are also having these conversations. So hopefully this will, this will be, you know, kind of a good place for people to come together around those conversations. Absolutely. Uh, I, I couldn't possibly agree more. Um, and we're, we're all ears over here. Um, and, and Rodale, um, Maine Rodale in Pennsylvania has been working on this problem as well. And, and they've been really thoughtful um, in, in folks who have been on their board um, around, around these issues. Um, and, you know, I'm really excited to see the projects that we take on reflect uh, that dedication and, and those thoughts in action. I mean, I would, you know, I would venture to guess that the, the you know, the implications of those, of conversations around that and findings around that will particularly benefit the Southeast. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said before, you, you know, you, we've got sustain, like to be truly sustainable, truly regenerative yeah. means taking care of people. Right. And, and, and often that, then that means taking care of the people who have been traditionally or historically, excuse me, uh, left out. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's close with a couple of things. I want to do like a bit of an aspirational close. And then let's talk about the exciting event, virtual event that y'all have coming up. But, you know, I guess one of my closing questions within our conversation is just what are, what are some of your big dreams and big goals for what um, the center can accomplish in the Southeast? Like if you- Oh my God. <laughs> one or two things that that's like what you want to see in, I don't know, five, 10 years, whatever it is. I mean, the, the main goal, the big picture vision yeah. really and truly is that we have more farmers yeah. and more land in Georgia, in the Southeast, successfully in or regenerative organic production. Yeah. More, yeah. like as much as possible, <laughs> yeah. as soon as possible, right? And by having, um, by having, institutional research support, mm -hmm. I think is one of the key ways we get there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so part of a huge part of my vision uh, of the vision of this project is, is, is very straightforward. It is more, more land in regenerative agriculture, in regenerative organic yeah. and more farmers thriving by farming that way. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I think that is well in the head. And, and, that, and that we played a role in yeah. making that happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I love about the the kind of team that you were describing and to like knowing that you're partnering, that you, you know, we'll be partnering with groups like UGA Extension or other extension programs is, you know, what I think is very cool here is that you're going to have a robust intern program because 
if there's anything we know, it's that, you know, the younger generation, the generation coming up, going, getting into college, they, they get that the environment is critical and that we have to understand these things. And so hopefully, you know, you'll, you'll have these passionate young students coupled with, you know, wise extension agents who have that, you know, I don't know, historic knowledge of everything, but that can blend to form this kind of vision of more sustainable. What I, what I want for the people who are the, the young farmers who are in our program and really young farmers who want to get into this anyway, yeah. is a path forward for yeah. them that they don't have to make out of whole cloth for themselves. Yeah. Right. Because that's the only way it's actually going to be truly sustainable. Right. Is if it is, if there is a path that makes sense. Yeah. And that they're not having to do all the work of farming mm -hmm. and marketing and mm -hmm. transit and transportation and budgeting and all the stuff that comes with a small business, as well as having mother nature as your boss, yeah. right. Yeah. All on your own. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not a path. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And, and there's not enough people saying that to be honest. Yeah. And I want to, I want this program to help make that path clear and manageable and doable sure. so that we are not selling these young folks, uh, you know, up the Creek without a paddle yeah. who are, who, and they're taking all this energy and all of this wisdom and all of this knowledge and they're not able to sustain it. Yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. I want, I want them to be able to make it happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I feel like it's, it's imperative on us to try to help pave the way. Yeah to make their life a little bit, a little bit easier to make the questions a little easier to find the answers to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I would, I would venture to say too, to also, you know, really put forward some of the, the, I call them elders. I, I think it deserves a, a tone of respect, but the elders of the organic community in Georgia and in the Southeast, you know, I was just talking recently to Haley and Green and I, I guess I just hadn't really realized how far back her her history and her um, uh, very impactful presence, specifically specifically in the Atlanta agriculture scene. But but you know she is very much a sustainable farmer. It comes from from her roots, from moving to Atlanta, and and it was just kind of incredible talking to her. Um, I know this is something that Matthew speaks to too, is just to making sure that not only do young farmers not feel disconnected or feel like they have to do it on their own, but that they also understand that there are these elders, you know, again, these, mm -hmm. these pioneers who have gone before them that can, that can also be, be coaching them and be mentoring and nurturing their talent. So I think that actually, now that you're saying that off the cuff, I think that'd be a really interesting, almost, uh, almost research project for us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Is, is having someone go out and, and talk with the elders of the organic community in this region mm -hmm. and and glean their wisdom and and put it down on paper. Yeah. Like so that we have it project. at our fingertips. Yeah. Yeah. I know right? kind of thing that when I've spent an afternoon with um, the garden, you know, Haleen, the garden queen. Like I just, she just had, she just knows those things, those ingenious, you know, it's kind of like my grandmother, mm -hmm. like she just, how would you know to add like a little more salt to that or mm -hmm. whatever? Mm -hmm. and, and they have that knowledge. And I think what we need to realize that I think this is cross, 
any across any um, trade that you have is to really treasure the knowledge that our elders have. Well, I think there's a space where you know, in the in the Venn diagram of of knowledge, right, where where wisdom and science interact. Yeah. And I would love to see us, you know, again, in the future, doing a project around that mm-hmm. um, and around maybe taking, collecting that wisdom yeah. from our elders and field testing some of it, Yeah, yeah. right? Making it something that's no longer an anti, an anti excuse me, I can't say it, <laughs> an anecdote, right? Or something that's, you know, that passed down knowledge. Right. Um, while that to me is, is a thousand percent valuable um, you know, it's, it's to an agricultural commissioner, it's not. And so to be able to transform that wisdom into something that a policymaker can then use to, to then affect real change over the long term, that would be amazing. And that's the kind of stuff I'm, that this, that, that this research center is super interested in thinking about. Yeah. Well, I love, again, to use the Venn diagram analogy, you know, if you think of Rodale as being this place that's going to have regionality, it's going to have science, uh-huh. maybe, you know, a bit of the, the sort of youth, young farmer component. And then there could also be, you know, this, this uh, historical knowledge. Sure. Elder leader. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're just, Mary Elizabeth, we're just getting started. I, that's what I can tell. It's so exciting. <laughs> that like just very fertile, exciting place that that Rodale is in. Um, mm-hmm. in so, well, let's talk about how people can can see what's happening and and the groundwork being laid. You have an event on, I believe it's November seventeenth. Is that right? Uh, I think it's the sixteenth. Maybe it is the seventeenth. <laughs> Double check that. <laughs> Let's double check that. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. What's going to happen? So I know it's at two p.m. and I think it's on the seventeenth. Um, oh my God, my count! Like you guys, it's twenty twenty. <laughs> it is time. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, so that event, um, it's going to be. Uh, we had, uh, when we initially started the project, we wanted it to be an in-person event over the in the early summer, but obviously that's not happening. So. We are virtualizing it. Um, and essentially what it's gonna be is an introduction to our staff and an introduction to the property so that folks know uh, who they're dealing with and where we are. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to share uh, some of the initial uh, projects that we've already started on with folks and sort of give them an idea of what we've already been up to. Yeah. And hopefully in a similar way to the conversation you and I have just had, give people a real understanding of the vision for the future of this project and the capacity of this project um, that is really exciting. That we're hoping to generate a lot of interest from the farmers who we wanna help. Mm -hmm. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't say from the donors who are gonna help make it all possible. Who we wanna get really excited about the potential of this project, about what we've already done and about what we're gonna be doing in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have ideas that they want to help write a check to make happen, yeah, that'd be an amazing thing. So it really is a, an introduction, um, to, to everyone, yeah. uh, to, to hopefully, you know, to, to legislators as well, who will, who will tune in, um, and see what we're about, um, and get excited about this new phase of agriculture that is going to be truly what the 21st century needs. Yeah. Um, and uh, 
and yeah, just to, just to get everybody excited and on board. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just double checked it. It's November 17th at 2 PM. Okay. That's what I thought. (laughs) And so, so rodaleinstitute.org, um, right. And the other, um, uh, social media or anything like that that you recommend to get connected. I know just in checking on the at rodaleinstitute.org on the events page, I was able to see see the webinar right there. So, mm-hmm. and you can sign up also for um, at Rodale's website. Um, if you go to the the subsite for the Southeast Organic Center, you can sign up for our newsletter. Great. Um, and I know everybody's got a newsletter, but this is a, it's a good one, yeah. and it's we want to keep up with what we're doing. That's a good place, as well as um, on social media. Yeah. Um, the Rodale Institute. You can also follow uh, what we're doing um, uh, at Manyfold Farm. Oh, great. Yeah. So I'm posting a, a lot of event information and kind of like highly relevant topics yeah. uh, about the project um, on the farm specific social media site. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think we now have a site, a specific Instagram handle for the Southeast Organic Center. Okay. I'll um, double check and, and confirm that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Facebook, yeah, all of that. Like, if you follow Rodale, you're following us. Great, great. So. Well, it's so interesting to follow what they're. You know, it will be. It's interesting following Rodale in general, but then to start to see sort of the the contrast and similarities to the regionality of it. That's going to be mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much. Is there is there anything in closing you want to add? I mean, this has been a pretty great conversation. I think everyone's going to be excited to, to follow the, the progress here. I, I just, I'm thrilled uh, to have George Organics as a partner yeah. in this project. I'm thrilled that you guys are uh, happy to partner with us and get the message out there about what we're up to. Uh, I think that again, to, to the point earlier, that partnerships are key. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would really encourage anyone and everyone who is curious about this project to reach out yeah. Um, and find out more, attend the, the virtual event, uh, shoot us an email, you know, sign up for the newsletter. Um, because like I said before, we really are just getting started and we want to hear ideas and we want to interact. We want to know who's out there and who, who wants to get to know us. Yeah. Um, so we're, and we're psyched about the process. Great. Well, um, hopefully, you know, hopefully 2021, opens things up, things get some sense of normalcy so folks can actually come visit the center. I know that will be an exciting day when when visits can happen to the farm. So we'll definitely be keeping everyone posted. I know it's exciting to have such a direct line to you, Rebecca, from from my perspective. So we'll be certain to share the the great developments, the learnings, the research that's coming from Rodale on our on George Organic social accounts. So so folks can similarly stay in touch with Rodale. So yeah, I'll keep y'all posted. Please do well, thank <laughs> you so much. And we're, uh, I appreciate your time. We're closing out election week, which has been, you know, very anxiety ridden, but it's been really nice to kind of take a break, take a moment and talk about what we're all passionate about. So thank it's been you. so important this week to stay focused Amen. on the things that matter. Yep. Right. And the work because, because a president isn't going to save us. Yes. Right. We gotta. We all have to work together and stay focused on the on the projects and on the ideas that are gonna save us. Yes. And I'm a firm believer this is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And the farmers and the people growing, growing. Absolutely. Into the future. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's been super fun. Yes. All right. We'll talk soon. All right. Next up, Gardening with Farmers, where we hear from the real experts, the farmers around the state of Georgia whose expertise and hard-earned knowledge can help your at-home fruit and vegetable gardens thrive. How's it going? I'm Matthew Rafe of Gilyard Farms, host of the podcast Jupiter's Almanac and author of the forthcoming cookbook, Bressum Yam. And a few of my top November tips for the garden are, if you are in zone A, B, you can start planting, or if you would like to plant, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, broccoli, radish, beets, carrots, and kale. Especially if you have a greenhouse or a cold frame that you can make sure you do for row cover. Another thing you can also do is start planting your strawberries. Strawberries are going to be the bomb this coming spring, so get them in. Now, if you're in zone 9A like me, I'm already starting to plant garlic and onions in November. Um, trying to make sure um, I also have arugula planted and I probably won't start harvesting any carrots or turnips or even any broccoli until um, late in December. All right. Well, that's my tip. Atlanta Foodcast. I hope you all are having a great day. Next up, Zach Harrison of Fresh Harvest. Zach was a guest of the Atlanta Foodcast in 2019, but we sat down with him to catch up on how Fresh Harvest has adapted to the 2020 pandemic and continued to serve Georgia farmers and Atlanta area eaters during this time. All right. I'm really excited that we've got um, Zach Harrison here. He's the founder of Fresh Harvest, which is an Atlanta-based organization that's really doing a lot of work to bring Atlanta customers uh, fresh food from farmers right to their door, make it simple, makes it beautiful. Um, And yeah, I appreciate you being here, Zach. I'm excited to hear kind of a little bit about y'all and then and then what you've what you've observed from the pandemic and how it affects farmers. Thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm I'm excited to chat about um all the all the recent happenings for sure. Yeah. Well, let's just start with a little background. Tell us um for for folks that aren't familiar with Fresh Harvest, um tell us about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, so Fresh Harvest started in 2012. Um the the point, the thought, the hope behind it was just to originally just to make healthy eating more convenient. And back in 2012, I don't know if everybody can remember, but grocery delivery and um, even meal delivery uh, wasn't wasn't as you know prolific of a thing at that point. I mean, you know, you you had a few people kind of dabbling in it, but it for sure wasn't a mainstream thing. And so our thought was just, okay, how do we get people fruits and vegetables delivered to their door so that, you know, healthy eating can be more convenient. You can have, um, you know, a more habitual uh, uh, kind of program put in place for yourself uh, when trying to eat more healthy, you know. Um, And then we coupled that with the idea of, okay, well, as we and this this wasn't until you know several months in, but as we are helping people to eat more healthy, uh, how do we also do that by supporting local farms? And so are the are the costs of the goods that are going in to our baskets that we're delivering to people's homes are 
are those being spent at local farms in and around um, our city? So kind of trying to create a little bit of a more connected food economy um, in our city anyway and in our state. Well, that's great to hear because I think one thing that's so important about especially the area that you service is you've got a lot of folks that are really interested in obtaining good, you know, fresh local food, but maybe don't always have the time or resources to get to the farmer's market every week. So, right. you know, it sounds like such a, a, a marketing cliche, but true that you just really take the guesswork out of out of getting getting people connected directly to Georgia farmers. Um, For sure the thing that at George Organics we most most love to see. So um, well, tell me yeah. a little bit about just what you've observed, you know, in your role growing this, growing this organization for about the past eight years. Um, what have you learned? What have you noticed about the, the Atlanta area shopper or, or farmers and how that, that's worked for you? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, before the pandemic and things, um, obviously changed a lot with that, but before that, our our goal with how what we you know set out to do with Fresh Harvest was to expand the market of the local farmers who were already setting up at the farmers market. So yeah. it was to it wasn't to compete with the local farmers market. It was to say, hey, um, how can you know? Obviously, they're setting up their market stands on Saturdays and selling this beautiful produce. How do we just expand the reach of that and kind of be be the handoff um, and handle the logistics of you know breaking things up by customizable orders and getting them to people's homes? And so what we've seen in response to the pandemic is just that more people want that. Um, we had enjoyed you know pretty steady but not rocket ship type growth over the past you know, few years, um, which we were excited to see. And we were building more relationships with more farmers and doing more crop planning accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, uh, with the pandemic, what we saw was more people wanted food delivered to their homes. And not only just any food, I mean, you can say any food, all food delivery has gone through the roof. But sure. um, but specifically food that they knew more about they knew where it was grown how it was grown who grew it um and we've literally just been like i said the the transition point um for the farmers that people are seeing at the farmers markets in and around atlanta um to more customers doorsteps and what have you heard from farmers about serving in the role that you do because i would imagine that 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 could become a pretty vital outlet for them as well so what are they saying Right. I think it depends on the farm and farmer and what their goals are, um, because we sort we sort of can play a few different roles in their business model as Fresh Harvest. Um, mm-hmm. We we can be a you know top tier plan every week together type relationship, which is what we hope for with all the farmers we work with and have that with a lot where we're crop planning for the season together they're planting carrots you know knowing that oh that's going to fresh harvest and their customers um so providing you know a more uh reliable um predictable budgeting plan um with each of those farmers that's that's one thing we set out to do is to um really hopefully create a little more of a platform and a um 
a, a stable platform and um, some processes with the farmers we're working with, just trying to be a reliable buyer and buy as much as they um, can grow. Um, but then, they, you know, they obviously they still have their retail markets that they want to sell at, yeah. um, the farmers markets, and then they have restaurants they sell to, which is great. So some farms, like I said, consider us a, you know, an every week supplier. Some farms say, hey, when I have a bumper crop of something, I'll give you a call. And that's a great role for us and our customers to play. If there's, yeah. if there's a lot of stuff out in the field because it was a prolific year for cucumbers, per se, yeah. then um, we can buy those up and they can be, they're the same beautiful cucumber that may have gone to waste if, oh. um, if you know, the farm, a farmer that we work with didn't have us as a, as a backup plan, as an outlet. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of a, another tier. And then a third tier is really just, um, you know, for for any farmer that's an organic farmer in the um, state of Georgia to to be able to know that we are an outlet and can can provide uh, the ability to deliver their stuff, even if that just means once or twice a year, um, because they have you know an extra crop that they were doing some experimenting with and they need a home for it. So. Um, because of the system that we've built with our customers, we see that um, there's there's a lot of flexibility, and um, people people want the food that these farmers are growing, and so we're just trying to make that connection. Yeah. Well, talk a little bit about the you know the customer experience there too. Sort of right. maybe just literally from from start to finish, from signing up and starting to receive them, and then too any. Any anecdotes you've got or any stories of, of longtime customers or customers? I'm sure you've got good stories about people's eyes just really being opened. Sure. Sure. One thing that I, I think is great and I've been excited about um, since we started Fresh Harvest, like you said, eight years ago, um, is that Fresh Harvest is for everybody. It's not a, it's not a premium product. Yeah. It's not a super fancy, you know, extra cost added on top thing. I mean, obviously, you know, people have different budgets and have different values of what they think their food should cost. And obviously that's different for everybody, no matter, um, you know, their grocery budget or income level, you know, but um, what we, that's been one thing that's been beautiful to me. And we've really seen um, accented uh, with the pandemic is that um, there's, if you if you value good local food, we we provide a product that um, reaches all different um, types of people all over the city. So um, that's been that's been one thing we've been really excited to see is there there isn't a, a niche or a you know you know this ideal customer that you could uh, you know draw up and specifically market to it's like hey this is this is for everybody and that's a beautiful thing um but specifically the customer experience i mean when somebody signs up for fresh harvest they're picking a basket size Uh of produce basket um that most you know accommodates their family or their needs um, and they then each week can customize what is in what's coming in that basket from a produce perspective and then on top of that, they can add other groceries. So 
the meat and milk and eggs and bread and all that kind of stuff we we bring in from local suppliers um, in and around the state as well. So the goal is to be, you know, not replace the grocery store in the sense of like we have, you know, your toilet paper and your, sure, you know, yeah. all, all those other kind of products. I don't know, toothpaste and stuff like that. That's not really us. Yeah. Um, but from a from a grocery budget standpoint, um, that's what we seek to provide uh, local options for for folks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, tell me a little bit about the pandemic and what you've noticed in your customer base. I noticed on social media, y'all had some really, some pretty fun posts about, I think you were rounding up more boxes. Um, oh man, yeah. Yeah, so what did you see? What what happened with, with customers when when everything went crazy in March? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, at first, you know, us, like everybody, this was a, it was a hard thing. We didn't know what it meant. We didn't know um, what was going to happen. We wondered how it was going to affect our business. We know we had customers um, that went through some really difficult stuff during this time. So there, there was for sure an, an undertone of, of difficulty and, and of, um, really a lot of customers, uh, like I said, that we sympathize with and that, you know, have gone through some tough stuff for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but we've also seen a ton of support from our customers. I mean, we've, we've had a lot of, a lot more people come on board, um, which especially early on meant, okay, how do we get enough of everything? We really do want to deliver to everybody that wants to sign up and we want to meet that need, obviously. Um, but we only want to do it while supplying the stuff we believe in. We want to make sure the product is good. We want to make sure we're providing um, stuff um, that's sustainably grown. And um, to be sustainable in the midst of a, you know, pop of growth um, is a difficult, difficult thing to figure out. So we, I mean, like you said, the baskets thing, we had customers bringing their basket back to the office because we couldn't get more reusable totes supplied in time. I mean, there were weeks and weeks where we were running out of totes and having to figure out how are we going to get more just to deliver tomorrow. And yeah. um, customers were very, very patient with us yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. on a lot of that stuff. They they not only supported us by buying more stuff, but also through their really encouragement and just flexibility. Um, so we we saw a lot of good in humanity throughout this too, even though it was a difficult time for folks. Certainly, I mean, I think that's one of the the silver lining stories of this year is is people's you know sense of empathy and understanding is has seemed to increase. Now, some would argue sure. the opposite with with our political situation, but that's a whole nother sure. story. But at least in the food community, um, that has proven true, and. You know, I, I think that's a really good point across the Georgia food community, too, is, you know, whether you're going to a farmer's market, you know, you're not going to be in and out like you would be at a, at a traditional grocery store. You have to have, you know, a bit of a different um, appreciation of time, um, I think, both when it comes to the time that it takes to grow things and the availability of certain fruits or vegetables that you love, and then you know, the, the, yeah, with, with pandemic, especially, I think everyone's just had to 
take a bit more time with things. And, and fortunately at the, at the receiving end of that, folks have seemed a lot more patient and understanding. So sure. it's a really important, sure. important point to, to the, the, the need to slow down a little bit um, in 2020 yeah. and be understanding. So that's yeah. great to hear, it's encouraging. Yeah, we had a lot of customers that were very flexible when something that they ordered didn't come in their basket, which is our least favorite thing in the world, you know, when yeah. something like that happens. Um, we had a lot of folks that were completely okay with getting a delivery pretty late at night because <laughs> our yeah. drivers were out a long time. Um, so, so yeah, we we saw a lot of that. And for sure, that effect has been... Um, you know, not just only on fresh harvest, but on our uh, farmers as well. We yeah. we do a thing every summer where our customers can write in um, little handwritten letters to our farmers, and we got more of those this year than we've ever gotten by far. So that's been cool oh, to man. see too, just the appreciation being spread around. That's amazing. What time of year do y'all do that? I believe I remember seeing it, but I can't recall what what yeah. time period. We nor we normally do it at the end of the summer, so to try to get everybody through the last few weeks where it's just a pain to be out picking stuff and sweating and long days and all that kind of stuff. So I think we did it in August this year. Yeah. Um, kind of middle or end of August. So um, it's, it's a cool thing to, to hand a big old stack of letters to oh a farmer when they're delivering the orders for the week, you know? And how often are they, you know, unsung heroes as much as we, you know, thank them and and show gratitude when you you know get to see the the your farmer that you shop from at the market but man yeah the the work and the hours that they're putting in to to do something for the better for, for the betterment of the environment and for the community and and sure folks in the state i think that's god that's really important i wish there was a um you know just as we have a veterans day there should definitely be a farmers day i think we should yeah. maybe consider that yeah no that's not a bad idea <laughs> i mean i don't know a farmer that works a 40 hour week you know yeah, this, same. Is, yep. this is a um it's just a different level of commitment not that you have to work 80 hours to be a good person or anything but yeah. um it's, it's a lot of long long hours and so to pass that appreciation on yeah. it's it's obviously the check to pay for the work that they have done is the most important thing the most important like form of respect but right. to to add to that with extra care is is something that our customers really really do yeah well i'm so glad that y'all offer that too because you know that ties in just the sense of relationship and the sense of connection that is so crucial to the local food movement um mm. Mm -hmm. those relationships and being able to express gratitude or things like that so that's that's amazing um well talk a little bit about about how y'all have grown you know i want to talk to the sort of mm -hmm. entrepreneurial side of side of this and and two I'd, I'd love to know let's start with like what's your background like what brought you to building something like fresh harvest yeah yeah <laughs> um my background is in a um probably I, I don't know basically not related at all <laughs> I I played I right after high school I went to college for a semester or two and then I dropped out to be a famous musician <laughs> and so was doing that for 
you know, a handful of years that came to a close. And then, um, upon trying to figure out what my next step in life was, I, um, went on a little bit of a self-discovery trip, um, with a friend of mine and, uh, food was very involved in that trip. I ended up on a farm in California and that experience was real formative. And so coming back, um, this was in 2012, obviously I thought, okay, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a farmer. I want to, you know, get my hands dirty and learn how to do this. Um, and that was kind of what I thought I was going to do, but then because of some, some other conversations and stuff coming up, I sort of realized, Hey, this, this opportunity to start something that serves farmers and expands their market and is another sales outlet for them. Um, could be I don't know but could be a cool thing and so um it was it was a cool thing but not a very easy or profitable thing for several years um and so uh we we you know like any small business you kind of just do a little bit of everything and keep working hard and um you know then kind of over time you have the ability to bring in great great people to help which makes all the difference in the world and then um you can eventually after years of doing it start to get a little better at it so um yeah my my only background in is working uh on as far as local food movement is is fresh harvest and just the the hours put in up here so um yeah yeah, anybody could do this i guess is what i'm saying (laughs) An important message to be sure. But yeah, it, oh, yeah. yeah, it's worth mentioning. I can't imagine the the sort of man hours that, that you must have put in and certainly I'm sure your team and, and your early team to get mm-hmm. something like this off the ground. I know from working with um, uh, Lauren Cox over on our farm to restaurant team, you know, the, the logistics oh, yeah. that she's been managing with our Food Fight Georgia program of, of getting this food from the farmers to the restaurant workers and you know, with our midweek pop-up, I mean, just the logistics of working with farmers that are quite often probably quite spread out. Um, yeah. And then getting those to the consumer, it's, that's no small, I mean, that is a career career um, in itself, <laughs> to be certain. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, just to take a quick fresh harvest break from a second, for a second, the food fight program is amazing. Um, we have some farmers mm-hmm. who support that as well, and that's a that is a cool, cool thing um, that yeah. y'all have done, that she has done. That's a that's a big pivot. I mean, from I know what obviously pre-pandemic, the plan for that um, kind of uh, sort of new pursuit the, um, that she was doing. Obviously, working with restaurants, things changed with restaurants, and to be able to pivot quickly and come up with not only that idea but it's such a cool name. Um, yeah, mad respect to that and. Uh, it's been cool to see our farmers be involved in that as well. I mean, I like we're constantly on the George Organics team singing her praises and, and Ashley Dowling, another um, co-worker, had a good part in in making that happen. But but too like the I mean, we we've been saying amongst ourselves like that that has been one of our top like resiliency stories as an organization, because yeah, to the heart of like what we want to do, which is to boost farmer prosperity. So, you know, through fundraising and the, and the budgets that we were able to put behind the program, we were paying these farmers 
and also, you know, hoping to fill the gap from that lost those lost restaurant revenues while yeah. also serving the restaurant industry, which the you know, particularly the farmer champion restaurants, they do so much for the farmers. So it's just it 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 became that, you know, that cyclical um yeah, just a just a very connected system that that made a lot of sense. But honestly, I mean, yeah, Lauren and um, I know Chris with root baking and some of the early early um, folks to put it all together, huge problem yeah. for them because it was really cool to see. And we've actually had a couple of folks reach out that are that would like to emulate that system. Which right, like, isn't that the most yeah. sincere form of of flattery? Is when some you know. Right when that positive food system can go serve other communities. So, yeah. 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 I was talking with the farm. I was out of the farm just yesterday yeah. and they were, they were talking about the impact of it, you know? So that's yeah. uh, a, is a great thing. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it was a great example of connecting the farmer to the restaurant, you know, to the servers and staff at some of these restaurants. Who, yeah would typically be, you know, talking about the farm, maybe in the context of the menu, educating a guest, things like that. But this was such a cool connection to see happen was the farmer to the restaurant team. Um, and not just the yep. chef who's sourcing for the menu, right. menu planning and all that, but yeah, very cool. I think we're, we're both lucky to work within the, particularly the Georgia food, you know, good food community, whatever you want to call it. But there is just such a sense of connection and, and um, yeah, mutual care, I think, across the different yeah. levels of it, of food here. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. Well, yeah. let's talk a little bit about, um, yeah, I want to talk about growth or just any numbers or any cool stats that you had to share. I know folks can learn more from your website, um, but tell us just some cool, sure. like some fun facts about Fresh Harvest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we. Um, I, I think one that we've now pinned down and is and is accurate. Um, and we were we were feeling this in the initial months, but we were wondering, hey, what what does this really mean for us? I think I think we experienced about three years worth of growth yeah. in maybe two months. Huh, yeah. And so, you know, we we come up with a plan each year and we try to, you know, stick to it. Like, hey, how are we gonna? How do we plan to grow this year? What do we um, how do we, you know, hope to accomplish that, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that, what happened this year was a, was a far off, um, yeah. you know, kind of not even a hope yet. Cause we hadn't even, haven't even planned it enough to hope, but, um, it, this was, it was, it was a lot of growth early on. And, you know, it was one of those things where, um, the reason we grew is because customers were, um, were wanting to connect with, uh, the farmers we worked with and um they that because they wanted that um that provided a more stable outlet for a lot of the farms we worked with especially early on like there were a few farms that were literally planning on big restaurant deliveries and blah blah blah, blah within the next couple of weeks and that went completely away and because of more customers um and obviously the customers who've been with us for eight years because of everybody continuing to want to get a basket, I mean, we were able to to buy literally every single thing up. There hasn't been a week since you know March first that we haven't bought 
pretty much everything on every farmer's availability list, you know, and that's, that's a hundred percent in credit to like the customers that we, um, have, you know, that's yeah. obviously we wouldn't buy it if we didn't have a home for it. Um, and so, um, that's been, that's been huge. Um, and really cool to see that, that two needs met in the middle. Yeah. Uh, people in Atlanta needed good food and they needed to know where it was coming from. Yeah. And farmers needed an, an outlet for the food that they had already grown. You know, it was in the ground. It was planned to go other places. Um, and and our customers were able to step in and, and eat it all up very literally. Um, so that was that was huge. Yeah. Um, and one testament to that, just to give like a hard number, people can see this on our site. We have a, our it's a tracker that's on our website all the time. Um, our kind of key internal metric as a staff to really evaluate, hey, are we doing what we say we want to do? Are we doing a good job, basically? Um, is our local dollars spent number. Um, and that's an annual number, resets every year. And we have a goal of like, okay, how much, how much are we going to be able to spend on local food this year? Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, I don't even know what year it is. Yeah, last year, 2019, um, that number for the whole year was $1.3 million. dollars and spent on local food um this year 2020 through june so halfway through the year we were already at uh one million six hundred fifty thousand and so so to so to more than double that in one year you know that those will that will be the results based on how we've continued to um buy post june till now um i'm confident those will be you know more than double, maybe even triple our 2019 number. So, so that's literal dollars spent on actual lettuce and carrots and ground beef and eggs and all that um, yeah. in in one year that that's going to uh, front doors across Atlanta. That's just I'm just thinking about how um, uh, oh, I don't have a good. I'm sure there's an economic term for this, but just how rich those dollars are. Um, oh, absolutely. When you think about who they're paying, that they're paying these farmers to better, you know, the soil in Georgia and to better these communities around them. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a rich dollar spend right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And to employ more people to grow food in your community. You know, yeah. there are a lot of our farmers have hired more permanent full-time workers because of this you know you can only harvest so many pounds of turnips in an hour and so if you've got a lot more going out the door yeah you have to grow them first but then you've got to got to get them all taken care of and get them to their final resting place and so um that's more people doing doing that work that's not like hey let's just go buy a bigger machine to to harvest it all that's literal people doing it with their hands so that's been that's been huge. I, I would hope our, our customers or any, anybody who listens to this would feel like, oh man, I, I did something super meaningful yeah. just with my grocery budget this year. Yeah. I was going to spend the money anyway. You got to eat, yeah. you know? And so that's, that's what I decided to do with it. And, and that is a meaningful thing. I can, I can promise you it's a meaningful thing yeah. and not just to fresh harvest and their staff, but to, to people growing food all over. Absolutely. Well, And this is a perfect segue um, as we kind of wind down to talk about, 
mm-hmm. Georgia Organics year in campaign, which which our theme is to stay local. And what is you yep. know, the importance of, you know, these these customers, these people that have transitioned to to shopping more locally during the pandemic, realizing that, okay, if I shop locally, you know, fewer people have touched my food in the in the transportation process. I'm, you know, not having to go to a, a closed space like a grocery store and put my health at risk, things like this. And I'm putting money directly into the pockets of farmers in Georgia who are making, you know, our our environment a better place, these communities a better place. So what's your take on that? Like, what is your take on Stay Local, on why you hope that, you know, customers are, have, have built, have been building good habits this year? And oh, man. I know we were talking about before, you know, before this, like, you know, we just hope that as my goodness, I hope things get back to normal soon. Right. But like, how do we keep people in those habits of supporting local food? Yep. Yep. Um, well, what's funny is this was, this was a, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't want to say we had the exact same stay local verbiage written down, but this was a, a big plan, a communication effort, a marketing effort for our team before even talking to you guys at Georgia Organics. Yeah. So we we think it's super, super important and not just for Fresh Harvest, but yeah. across the board, um, farmers that are growing this food have, they have to crop plan. They have to plan ahead. They have to buy seeds, hire people, mm-hmm. you know, prep beds they've got to do the work before a long time before a lot of times they actually make any of the money on the item that they're growing right yeah and so uh, what is for sure happening because I'm talking with a lot of them um, is they are planning on people and hoping therefore that people are going to continue buying this way Mm -hmm. and I I don't want to slap some conviction piece on everybody but (laughs) To, to not continue buying this way will actually mean that heads of lettuce or radishes or, um, you know, tomatoes or whatever that they're growing with in response to pandemic level, you know, sales, people yeah. buying from them, you know, at their markets for sure, fresh harvest for sure. Right. Um, but the, if people don't stay local, there will there will be a bummer of a fallout. Um, yeah. And and that's not to say like, hey, so don't cancel your fresh harvest subscription because you know we aren't the only way to get local food. If you can, if you'd rather go straight to the farmer in 2021, hey, have at it. That's awesome to us. Yeah. Um, but but if you've started buying local food in 2020, to then stop and go back to you know said mass grocery store in 2021 will have an after effect. Yeah. Um, there will be things that are grown that are hoping to, you know, come into your kitchen that, that aren't doing so. And that, that would be a bummer to see, um, to see, like you said, a lot of the good habits we've created this year in the middle of tough and terrible things, um, to, to not have a lasting impact. Sustainability, that word Mm. requires longevity. You know, it's, it's not sustainable to do something once or twice or, you know, even a couple of times it's sustainable to make it a habitual practice. Yeah. And so um, I, I just think that's a really important thing for, for folks to consider. I think that's 
um, you know, a big thing that Georgia Organics is obviously hugely involved in and will mm-hmm. will play a big role in messaging about is letting just making people aware, you know, um, hey, you have had an impact on people in your community this year that is positive. So how do we keep that going? Because a lot of farmers, just like Fresh Harvest, I said, you know, we've probably had experienced three years worth of growth in two months. Same story for, for farmers and they're, yeah. they're, you know, you know, hoping to keep it up, you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny. This is making me think of kind of an angle that I feel like we maybe don't speak to maybe often enough. I think for Georgia Organics, from our perspective, like we really want to be lifting up the farmer, you know, having, making sure that, that the farmer is, is front and center in the the local food system and as, as it should be. But I think there's also so much to be said for customers realizing I don't want to say how much power they could have, but truly how much impact they have. Um, oh yeah. And you know, for 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 amazing positive ends like like bolstering the local food economy in the midst of of a health crisis, and after that, you know, so we don't have a, you know, we certainly not to make it sound dramatic, but we we don't want to have to see a, a local food recession so to speak. Oh yeah. When people That's a good word for get it. back to, right. I mean, it's, you know, it's a real thing. These are, these are real, real people who are building their livelihoods and their careers around, around this amazing food. And yeah, it, it, the, the customer needs to be aware of the power of their dollar. Yep. Yep. That, I think of an example, um, there's the egg farmer that we work with at Waka Meadows, Nick Ball, yeah. We've been working with him for years and he's kind of grown alongside us. You know, he, he was small when we were small and not that we're huge now or anything, but yeah. um, we've grown together. And so something that happened in response to this is some conversation about, Hey man, how many more chickens do I need to buy? You know, how much more, you know, how do I need to expand my flock and get more chicken tractors? Cause he's moving them around yeah. all the time. These aren't your, you know, uh, you know, chicken house chickens. Um, and you can find pictures of his stuff online. It's amazing. If you, if you haven't had his eggs before, you should get them whether it's yeah. through us or not. Definitely. But, um, so, I mean, he's literally thinking for thousands of chickens cause he's selling a lot more eggs. And so, yeah. um, the initial investment of increasing his flock and infrastructure to accommodate that, you know, that, that has happened in just a few months. Right. And so, so it's not like all, that's all going to go away in 2021. That's, that's still there. Yeah. You know? So if you mm-hmm. go ahead, if you, if you wake up in 2021 and still want eggs, I would say keep getting them from him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. I know. Cause I mean, like, listen, like a, a Purdue or a Tyson, they're not worried about you you know, picking another <laughs> brand, so to speak. But, sure, sure. But when you're looking at someone at his at his size, you know, that it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. Yep. And not even to get into the fact that you're just going to get a vastly more delicious product. But um, yeah, I think the impact of staying local is what we're really hoping to drive home for for customer, you know, for for the, the consumer, the eater, as we call them. Um, yeah. So in that, in that space, you know, really appreciate the work that you're doing, what you've built with, 
with Fresh Harvest. I'm sure it's inspired many another, um, you know, hopefully many other people to, to kind of build this model and, and expand this model in other, other places beyond Georgia, because it certainly is clear what an impact it's made for farmers and, you know, just Metro Atlanta eaters and the, the joy that I'm sure yeah. the, the weekly deliveries bring to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's fun work. It really is. Um, and we are, we're thankful that we have, have the job to do, you know, yeah. it is, as a lot of people talk about, it, it's a good food job. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a job that you want to be doing every day. So we, um, we, you know, are, are honored to do it, thankful, and um, definitely want to, want to keep kind of innovating in ways that, we need to in order to better accommodate people's needs as we move forward so um yeah big shout out and thanks to anybody who's bought a basket this year um it has been uh a meaningful purchase whether it was one time or you know 50 times so yeah well and what's um kind of on that note how can people connect if they're interested in becoming a, a customer or just lo generally learning yeah. more about fresh harvest yeah i mean there's there's two ways really um there's we have a uh an email list you can sign up for on our website if you just want to kind of get a newsletter that says what we're doing um and what are what's going on in our community of customers and growers i mean you can sign up for that on our website we don't pepper you with special deals and we definitely don't send you know emails every day for sure. I think it's like a once a month thing or something. Yeah. Um, so it's not an annoying email. I can stand by that. Um, <laughs> or, you know, you can sign up for a basket and try it out. Um, there's very little risk to that. You only pay for the basket that you are receiving. You can cancel at any point. So if you signed up this week, you'd get a basket next week. Um, you could, you know, then start kind of feeling out, is this a good rhythm for you and yours and mm -hmm. um if it's not yeah there's no like i said no cancellation fee you aren't it's the difference in this in a csa a normal csa is that you aren't signing up for a season yeah. um you do um have to pick a frequency of delivery but at any point when you cancel you that that's it that's the the end so um yeah you can check us out those couple of ways and uh, we would be grateful for either one that's great. And it's freshharvestga.com, right? Correct. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Go to the website or Google us and we'll be sitting there waiting. <laughs> awesome. And I know I really enjoy following all social media and just some of the farmers yeah. and produce and things y'all are posting there and just sort of behind the scenes too. It's, it's always really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, that's not my forte, but we have some people <laughs> here who do it really well. So thank I'm, you. I'm thankful thank for you that. Well. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Zach, to you and, and to your entire team for what you're doing for farmers in Georgia and also the, the beautiful food you're bringing to a lot of a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking time to chat about it and let us know if you have any questions. Um, we can we can definitely jump on a call or an email at any point in time and um, answer any questions about where stuff's coming from, how much local stuff we're buying what to expect in your basket all that kind of yeah. stuff that's great see and like customer service where else are you going to get that <laughs> oh man oh yeah
<laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's what makes the world go around, that's for sure. Amen. All right, well, thanks again, Zach. Really appreciate it and um, have a good rest of your, your week. All right, same to you, thanks. All right. That's our show for today. We hope you enjoyed and that it encourages you and your family to stay local by shopping directly from farmers and thanking them for their amazing work. To learn more about Georgia Organics, our Stay Local campaign, or our programmatic work, visit georgiaorganics.org. You can also see our list of virtual events and webinars under Good Food for Thought at gfft.georgiaorganics.org. And don't forget to join our friends, the Rodale Institute Southeast Organic Center, as they celebrate a virtual open house on November 17th. You can find out more at rodaleinstitute.org's event page or on their social media. And stay tuned. We'll be back in another two weeks talking with more Georgia farmers, chefs, and other good food leaders around the state. We hope you stay tuned. <laughs>